like that. Hello, one and all, and welcome that. to like this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And first off, before we start off on today's episode, I'd just like to apologize. I was selfish. I was uh, mean. Uh, any adjective you want to use to describe what I was on that fateful Monday, supposed to be Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, I apologize. I apologize deeply. Now, was it a plan of mine not to record a show on Monday? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. The issue, I guess you could call it an issue. There's no, there's no idea. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't what. I was kind of tired. So if there's an excuse. I also was trying to see the end of the Steelers Chiefs game, even though I knew before the game even started what the result of that game would be. But it's a guy, and that's a. I'm trying to come up with something, but I, I don't really have an explanation for you. There's not one single legit answer I can give you for why I didn't record a show on Monday. And for those of you who are upset with me that may never listen to the show again unless I post a show today, I apologize. And this one, I would have to say, is for my friend Kevin because he messaged, he messaged me Monday and today asked me why there was no show out. So this one is dedicated to Kevin because... He needed a show, and I, I, I really contemplated even doing this one. I forgot what today was, because today I went up to Ames. So I went to work in the morning, did the usual thing there, went to Ames around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, somewhere around there. Went to a friend's art gallery, ate pizza at Great Plains up in Ames, which is really good. You got to do the honey on the pizza crust. After you get done with the main portion of the pizza, you got to eat the crust with the honey on top of it. And then after that, get home around 7 o'clock. And then I have to go over to my aunt's house for my papa's birthday. Turned 78 years old today. So I had things to do. And I didn't realize that I was supposed to record a show or that I promised Kevin that I'd record a show until about 9 o'clock. Right now, it just reached 10 on the nose. This is the latest I have recorded a show in a very, very, very long time. I have basically tried to avoid recording late like the freaking plague because... I struggle to fall asleep as much as it is, let alone just getting done recording a show and then my brain's still running or, oh, you forgot to say something or, oh, for, oh crap, you you didn't say sorry. You said something that you probably shouldn't have said. Oh, you got to type up a freaking reasoning and all that kind of stuff. It's just something that I don't like doing anymore. I used to do it all the time. I used to do it at the very last possible moment of the day. There were times I recorded like two o'clock in the morning. That is a dumb idea. If you are trying to start off in something like this, I would recommend you don't do that. <laughs> and if you're like me, who doesn't necessarily have the busiest schedule towards the end of the day, you have a lot of hours to work with. Unless you're hanging out with some friends or watching a movie or doing whatever, hanging out with your parents, family, you have free time. There is no real reason why you should be recording at 2 o'clock in the morning. But yet I was doing it. I have no real reason why. And I wake up early and go to work. Very bad habit to be in, which is why I started recording earlier, so I could get out of the habit, which even then I still struggle to fall asleep. But now I try to record around 6 o'clock, somewhere around there, sometime right after work. Right after. So that means I can get it done, I get it uploaded. I mean, I not. I guess it is technically uploaded, but not on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That will go up the next day. But I'll get everything situated so it makes sure to go up on the next day. And then I have enough time after that to where I'm not missing dinner or 
I've got enough time to get ready for dinner or dinner's just getting plated up. Or I'm hanging out with friends. There's very rare times where if, you, if I'm hanging out with a friend or a group of friends, it happens right at 5. Because that's usually when everybody's getting off. Some people get off later than that. So usually getting off at 5, recording at 5.30, getting done by hopefully 6.30, everything works out. Sunday, I had every opportunity to do that. Didn't do it. Did not do it. And I contemplated the entire day watching the 49ers-Cowboys game. We'll go over all the wild card games later in the show. I mean, not later, later, but like in a little bit. But watching that game, I sat there and I was like, I kind of want to watch. And the Niners at the time were killing the Cowboys. So I was like, this is pretty much inevitable what's going to happen here. Now it ended up being a little closer than what it originally looked like. But I probably should have recorded something then. So over that, I'm sorry. Long-winded apology, I guess. But just make sure you record your stuff. If you end up doing this or are doing it or thinking about doing it or whatever, record at a normal time. Two o'clock in the morning ain't worth it. Especially when you ain't getting paid for it. <laughs> That's another key issue here. You're doing this for free. You have no boss. You have no, I don't know, no company you're really working for. You're running on your own time. There's no reason you should be doing it at 2 o'clock. You're not doing a whole lot of other stuff throughout the rest of the day. But with that being said, I would appreciate it because if this does make money, the way it could make money is if people share it and help it grow. Because if one person, if the right person finds it, that's all this needs. The right person needs to find it and then boom, things start blowing up. Because remember the old adage, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And if you find the right people, things will blow up gradually. So the way to do that is make sure you're following me on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and of course, since you're listening to it now, make sure you're following or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify account. Leave a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave a description down below as well. The Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. And we got a show account, The Logan Blackman Show 1. So make sure it includes The and 1 at the beginning and end of it. Facebook, to search Logan Blackman Show. Give it a thumbs up. YouTube, same thing. Watch a few videos. Give them a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe there as well. And again, you're listening to the show right now. Make sure you are following the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. Make, hey, you can follow both. If you, have an, if you have an iPhone or something, you already have the, iPod, the Apple Podcast app on your phone. You don't even need to download it. You don't need a subscription either. You can just do it. <laughs> That's the best part about it. And Spotify, I mean, you don't need to technically have a subscription for it, but it helps. It makes things a whole hell of a lot easier. You don't have to listen to any ads whatsoever, which is always mwah, very nice. So you can listen to the Logan Blackman Show uninterrupted for however long the show is. Friday show, I'm not planning to do something like that. I'm not planning to have a damn near two-hour show. That's not what we're doing here today. This is going to be a shorter show, hopefully. That's the plan anyways. Every time, I feel like every single time I've ever said... I want to do a shorter show today. It has wound up being that two hour long episode. Like I, I sit here sometimes and I look back like two years ago, we were recording two hour shows three times a week. How the hell was that possible? Did I just lose my ability to talk for extremely long periods of time? <laughs> or do I just suck at planning things out? Probably a little mixture of both. Who really knows? But this show will not. And if it gets anywhere near that, I will be in serious trouble mentally and physically. So make sure, I, I, I hope, because I'm not, I need to talk to future Logan. And I, I saw something on, uh, I think it was Instagram. It was Instagram or YouTube Shorts. It was one of those two things. 
Like, your future self is talking shit about your current self. Do you ever think about that? Your future self is making fun of yourself right now. <laughs> That's kind of what's going to happen if this show gets to two hours. Or even, like, above an hour. I would like to keep it somewhere in that 45 minutes to an hour range. <laughs> I ain't trying to kill myself here. But I will be making fun of myself in the future, so... Just something I, t I tend to do on the show. It's not, sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not warranted. I bully myself on here for your enjoyment. Hopefully you like it. If not, I can only apologize for that. But one thing I personally liked came in the form of Saturday Night Football. Good Lord. Now, if you've known me or listened to the show long enough, you would know that I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. My dad's a Buffalo Bills fan raised me to be a Buffalo Bills fan. There was a short period where I liked the LA Chargers. They were the San Diego Chargers because of LaDainian Tomlinson. But most of my life, I've been a Buffalo Bills fan. I strayed away for a little bit, but I've been back for a while now. I grew up a Bills fan, watched all the bad Bills teams, and now <laughs> the Bills are really good. The Bills are very good. And I said this before the playoffs started. I am quietly more confident about this Buffalo Bills team than I was last year. And I don't know if I went over the reasons. Well, I did go over the reasons, but if you forgot what the reasons were, if you look at the previous years with Josh Allen, so we had the rookie year, you know, 6-10, and 10, whatever, way overachieved. They were expected to be the worst team in the NFL that year. And they won six games. Pretty damn impressive, especially when you're rolling out a rookie quarterback who wasn't supposed to see the field that year, who had to start a second game because Nathan Peterman played one of the worst football games in NFL history against the Baltimore Ravens week one. Then Josh gets hurt against the, the Houston Texans. Peterman comes in. They sign Derek Anderson off the freaking golf course. And then Derek Anderson gets hurt, and there's no way they can go back to Peterman. So they sign Matt Barkley pretty much out of nowhere. And they end the season with Josh Allen and Matt Barkley as their quarterbacks. Like, and they won six games with that, out, that setup that they had. Ridiculous. And then the next year... You know, they made the playoffs, second time in three years, so good stuff. They went 10-6, and six, but that year, every Bills fan out there would uh, proud. I wouldn't say, well, maybe proudly, would definitely say, though, the defense carried the team. Josh Allen was good. You had John Brown there, a 1,000-yard receiver. Cole Beasley had a very nice year, their first two years in Buffalo. New, totally revamped offensive line, got Mitch Morrison that offseason. Brought in John Feliciano, brought in a few other people on that team. Daryl Williams. Like, you had good peace on offense, but it was young. It was very young. And then the next year, last year, Supernova. Offense went to a whole nother level. 13-3. and ASE's champions for the first time since 1995. It had been a long time for the Buffalo Bills to win the division, and they did it with ease. No other team in the division made the playoffs. Like... It was, <laughs> the, the Bills dominated that division, went 6-0, killed every team they played in that division, apart from the first game they played against the Patriots that year. But they went 13-3. But that year, the offense carried the team. Defense did their thing, but it wasn't like they were what they were the year prior. And then this year, this is what you would call complimentary football at its frickin' finest. And it was amplified going against the New England Patriots on Saturday, the team that had beaten the life out of the Buffalo Bills my entire life. Like we said, Tom Brady, and this is one of my the most depressing two stats in NFL history. Tom Brady's not only 32 and 3 against the Bills all time, like when he was on the Patriots. He obviously beat the Bills this year, so he's 33 and 3. 
But until the Houston Texans game this year, Tom Brady had more wins at the Bills Stadium than any quarterback during Tom Brady's tenure with the Patriots. He played there one time a year. He won 17 times in Buffalo, 16 or 17. It took till the Texans game of this year, (laughs) when Tom Brady wasn't even on the Patriots anymore, for the Bills to pass him, for a quarterback to pass him in wins at what was, whose stadium's name has changed, what, four times? In my lifetime, you had Ralph Wilson Stadium, then you had New Era Field, then you had Bills Stadium, and then you had Highmark. Like, it's changed (laughs) three, four times. It's gotten a facelift during that time frame as well. Went from a white exterior to a black exterior. Like, it's, it's changed a lot. And this time, they're playing the Patriots in the playoffs. And the Bills, going into the playoffs, defense ranked number one, total defense. May not have any, any had any pro bowlers, but Jordan Poyer made first team all pro. Micah Hyde made second team all pro. Very well deserved. Give him a round of applause for that. And the offense is top five. And the thing that would made me so happy about the offense going in these latter parts of the season was the O-line was playing a hell of a lot better. Ryan Bates came in and solidified the offensive line. And then they actually have a semblance of a running game, with that, minus Josh Allen. Devin Singletary has been playing awesome, and that has a lot to go down to the improved offensive line play. So that's what gave me so much confidence. Josh and Diggs are going to do their thing. That's, that's no, one care, no one's really questioning that. And the other part is, that also helped them, everybody was healthy. There was not a single injured player for the Buffalo Bills going into this wild card game. The only players that didn't play were healthy scratches. This is the healthiest the team has been all year, and it's right as the playoffs started. Every receiver was healthy. Emmanuel Sanders was back and fully going. Scored a touchdown in the game. And in that game, that is the greatest game I have ever seen the Buffalo Bills play in my entire life. The single greatest game of all time. And I've seen a lot of Bills games. I've seen a lot of them. And none of them ever compare to that. And it's crazy just how insane this team is. Because last year, we had the greatest play of my life. The Taron Johnson 102-yard pick six against the Baltimore Ravens. Greatest play of my life. Now you have the greatest game against the team that killed you for 20 years. That went 32-3 and against you with Tom Brady as the quarterback. And one thing we didn't touch on going into this game, I don't fear the Patriots anymore. I'm done. I don't fear them anymore. Like, even when I was growing up, the only time it seemed the Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots, I don't have the numbers in front of me, was when Tom Brady did not play. I remember growing up, and if the Bills beat the Patriots, it's always somewhere in the latter parts of the year, when Tom Brady and the starters weren't playing. And my dad would always say, doesn't count. I want to beat Tom Brady. I don't fear the Patriots. And this was the final, this was the, what do you want to call it? The straw that broke the camel's back. This was it. My fear for the New England Patriots is gone. Because what you thought going into this game, oh, the Patriots aren't going to do the same things that they did last time against the Buffalo Bills. Oh, the Belichick's going to make some sort of adjustment. It's the zero degree weather. Josh Allen sucks when playing in cold weather. That's what everybody in the national media was saying. Josh Allen can't play in cold weather. And not only was this the greatest game of my life, Peter Schrager said this on NFL Network, and I'm glad national people are actually talking about this. And this is not even just a biased take. 
Josh Allen may have just played the greatest game in NFL history. At least in playoff history. There has been no game throughout my entire life, through even the people that have been talking about in national media, that can say that there was a game that was better than this one. He had four incompletions. He had five passing touchdowns. He had 66 rushing yards. He had over 300 yards passing against the New England Patriots in zero-degree weather where he was told that he can't play in the cold weather. He stinks in the cold weather. The Bills had more touchdown drives than third downs in this game, which the punting and no punting and field goals things are crazy enough. They had more touchdowns than third downs. They had six third downs in this game. They scored a touchdown on every single drive. They are the first team in NFL history in the Super Bowl era to not punt or attempt a field goal in a playoff game. Scored seven touchdowns on seven drives. Now, if you want to include the kneel down at the end of the game when Trubisky came in, that's fine. Don't care. This is the greatest game and the greatest performance I have ever seen in my entire life. And I'm not, that's not even me being biased. This was a ridiculous game. Bill Belichick has coached 477 games. Only twice has he not forced at least one punt from an opponent. Both of them were against the Bills, and both of them came this season. One of them on December 26th against the Patriots, and the other one on Saturday. This game was insane. A game that was supposed to be scary. I was relatively, I was quietly confident. Going into this. I said the Bills were going to win. I didn't really have to think twice about it. But I wasn't even really nervous going into it. Like, you know when your team's playing in the playoffs, some of you who haven't been in the playoffs in a very long time probably don't remember this, but when your team's in the playoffs, generally it gets kind of nervous. This is the last game your team could possibly play this season. You might never see your team play another football game until next August. That is a long time. I wasn't nervous at all. Not one out. I I got, like, shaky for about five seconds when the Bengals and Raiders game started just because of the fact, oh, it's playoff day. That was the first game of the playoffs. But seriously, what the hell was that performance by Josh Allen? There have been not 590-plus playoff games in NFL history. Josh Allen becomes the first player to have 300-plus passing yards, five passing touchdowns at least, and 60 rushing yards in a single playoff game, at least 60. The Bills have scored 47-plus points in a playoff game for the second time in team history, which was 1991, the year they went to the Super Bowl. One of the years they went to the Super Bowl, I guess. And this has been a common theme this year, and Rob Quinn on Twitter said this. Literally every week we see Josh Allen becomes the first QB in NFL history too, and it's freaking glorious. Yes, it is. It is 100% glorious. Like, we had the first player in NFL history to have or sixth player in NFL history to have back-to-back 3,500 passing yard seasons with 30 touch, 35 passing touches or 4,000 yards passing. I don't remember what the stat was. First quarterback in Bills history to have back-to-back 4,000-yard seasons. Like, it's just ridiculous at this point. And we've had conversations about Josh being worse than some quarterbacks. We said this a few weeks ago. The Bill, Josh Allen, the conversation of Josh Allen being a top five quarterback is done. The conversation now is him being a top three quarterback, and I don't even think that's for debate anymore. And it's not just based off this game. I've seen a hell of a lot of Josh Allen football 
throughout his career in Buffalo. A lot of Josh Allen football. I've seen every single game he has played in the NFL. This dude is awesome. And we are going to have a 30 for 30 someday about Josh Allen. It'll be one of the greatest 30 for 30s of all time. This dude got no offers out of high school. He had to play at Reedley Junior College. And then the only offer he got from there was Wyoming. He sent out a thousand emails to coaches around the country. He got one reply. Then became the seventh overall pick in the draft. His only accolade in college was he was the famous Idaho Potato Bowl MVP. And then now, he's on the cusp of being the greatest Bills quarterback of all time, which is something that is insane to even think about right before Josh Allen was drafted. There was no quarterback in any Bills fan's mind that would come close to Jim Kelly. And now we're having those conversations. Because every single number that the K-Gun offense produced, this current offense is obliterating. Josh Allen is 26 years old right now. Jim Kelly came to play for the Bills at 26 years old. Because remember what we talked about on Friday? He was playing in the USFL. He didn't want to come to Buffalo. If the USFL didn't fold, Jim Kelly would be the greatest quarterback in USFL history. You wouldn't be talking about him with this because he would never come. You'd have Frank Reich and possibly someone else playing for the Buffalo Bills during that time frame if Jim Kelly in the USFL didn't end up ceasing to exist until later this 2022, back next in April. Next April. That's ridiculous to think about. There were articles that said Josh Allen was a bust before he even played a single snap in the NFL. I had a friend who tweeted at me, said Josh Allen was a bust before he even played. And I tweeted back at him, we're not calling him a bust before he plays a single snap in the NFL. That is ridiculous to say. I've hated that argument my entire life. How can you say someone is a bust before they played a single snap? We make fun of that during the summer because people tried to predict, or uh, when was this, back in March, because people were trying to predict who would be the biggest bust in the 2021 NFL draft. And there were some that had Jalen Waddle, who had Micah Parsons. What? <laughs> Micah Parsons is going to be the unanimous rookie of defense rookie of the year. And Jalen Waddle was close to, I don't know if he ended up doing it, he came damn close to it, breaking the all-time rookie record for receptions of the season. Busts. <laughs> Why do people obsess with trying to predict busts? You're rooting for the downfall of a player. Why the hell would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. It's not even fun. Like, are you proud of yourself if you actually predict if someone's a bust or not? But now, if you go back and go, oh, who predicted Josh Allen to be a bust? The same idiots that are saying they would take other quarterbacks over Josh Allen. Keyshawn Johnson literally said with a straight face, why is Josh Allen in a conversation with Patrick Mahomes? What? This is the same Keyshawn Johnson that said Derek Carr was elite. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with that one. <laughs> we'll talk about that one a little bit. What? <laughs> the best quarterbacks in the NFL, on their day, I'm not including this year, just in, in general, are Rodgers, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Those are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. I know Tom Brady led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Good on you. Aaron Rodgers is still going to win MVP. What Aaron Rodgers did is more impressive than what Tom Brady did this year. And I have no real issues with Tom Brady on the Bucs. Caused me a lot of pain in my life, but I have no real issue with the Bucs right now. But it's crazy. Bomani Jones was going to die on the hill that Josh Allen was a bum quarterback. And he did die. I haven't heard anything from Bomani Jones 
in for freaking ever. I haven't heard anything about him. <laughs> like, and that's positive. That's a great thing. That is a great, great thing. Oh, I love that I don't need to listen to Bomani Jones anymore. You know how many times we made fun of Bomani Jones and Logan Blackman show? It was like a daily occurrence. Because there was more just shit falling out of his mouth as the days gone on. The same people that said the Bills should have stuck with Tyrod Taylor. I love Tyrod Taylor. I won't say a lot of bad things about Tyrod Taylor. He's a great person. He's just not going to win you anything. He's not going to lose you anything. He's just not going to win you anything. He's not going to turn the ball over, but he's not going to throw a lot of touchdowns either. Like, I was fine with the moving on from him. Getting a young quarterback in. But no one said anything with the Browns moving on for Baker Mayfield. They benched Tyrod and traded him to Char- the LA Charter, cut him or whatever for Baker. Why didn't no one make a big deal about that? Why was Cleveland not racist for cutting Tyrod to start Baker Mayfield, but the Bills were for moving on from J- Tyrod to start Josh Allen? We're talking about Baker Mayfield not even being on the Browns next year. We're talking about Baker Mayfield being the only real issue on the Cleveland Browns, apart from the injuries they had this year. They are a quote-unquote quarterback away from being a championship contender. But Cleveland and Baker are not seen as racists because, I I don't know why, I really don't. Hindsight doesn't even work in that one because Baker was seen as a reach when he got drafted in the first place. I never heard a single ounce of that, but we heard it from Buffalo every single day. Every day. That's why I'm happy I don't need to listen to Bomani Jones anymore. Dude doesn't know. That's why he doesn't do anything, really. If he does, I don't know what it is. But yeah, didn't, he lost that energy. I mean, there was no energy when the, the Texans benched him for Davis Mills. Where'd that injury, energy go? Huh? I didn't hear anything. The Chargers punctured dude's lungs. I didn't hear anything then either. It was just Buffalo. It was just Josh Allen. It's funny looking back at it now because now we've got the Bills and Chiefs in the AFC divisional round. And we are po- we are looking at what right now is going to be the new Brady-Manning rivalry, Mahomes and Allen. This is the second time in two the past two seasons where they met in the playoffs and the fourth time they have uh, third, no, what? Third time they're going to meet later in 2022. Third time they've met in the past two years. Once in the regular season, or I know, this will be fourth. This will be fourth. Twice in the regular season, then twice in the playoffs. Chiefs won both games in 2020. One in Buffalo, one in KC. Bills beat the Chiefs this year in KC. This is the new Brady-Manning rivalry, and I'm all for it. And it's going to be awesome. And the best part about it is, I will be going down to Kansas City. Yes, sir, me and my friend Brady will be making the trek down to Kansas City. He's a big-time Chiefs fan. Been a Chiefs fan as long as I've known him. And we are going to be making the trek down to Kansas City to witness both of our first playoff games. We were both going to try and go down to the Bills-Chiefs game earlier this year, but right when the schedule dropped, my dad bought tickets and Brady was kind of shafted out of the whole situation. So it ended up being me, my dad, and my sister and her boyfriend. So Brady and I will be going down to this game instead. Like, I just witnessed the Bills play the greatest game of my lifetime. I witnessed Josh Allen not only play the greatest game I've ever watched from a quarterback in my lifetime, but possibly the greatest ever playoff performance of all time, ever. And now I get to go watch them play my second least favorite team in the NFL. Patriots are the first. 
I deal with more Chiefs fans on a day-to-day basis than Patriots fans, but the Patriots caused me so much more pain throughout my lifetime. But I hate the Chiefs. Oh, boy, do I hate the Chiefs. I love going to Arrowhead. I have seen the Bills beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, what, three times? I've been there, I think, geez, four or five times down in Arrowhead. One of them was with Tyra Taylor. Trey White picked off Alex Smith to win the game. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I think I saw them because we sat in the end zone one time. I might be, what? I think I might be two and two right now. If I'm looking at my record, I'm trying to think of my record off the top of my head. I think I'm two and two in Arrowhead. But this is awesome. This is awesome. I I am enjoying this playoffs right now. And we knew we again, we weren't really nervous going into the Patriots game. I said the Patriots Bills would win without even taking a second thought about it. And what's crazy about all of this, and I keep saying when you know it's crazy, because the game just got crazier and crazier. Most 12 points win 12 most wins by 12 plus points in a single season since the merger, including playoffs. The 99 Rams won 14. 2002 Bucks in the 85 Bears won 13. The 2000 Ravens, 98 Broncos, 96 Packers, and the 91 Washington Redskins, they were called that back then so I could say it, won 12. Every single team on this list won a Super Bowl. The Bills right now are at 12. They're the only team on this list that hasn't won a Super Bowl because they haven't, you know, had the chance to go yet. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I was saying, why I was quietly more confident this year than I was last year. This is exactly, exactly what I was talking about. This team's damn good. And the be- one of the funnier parts of the game, someone threw a dildo on the field. So congratulations to that. Someone said Mac Jones' mouthpiece fell out. Hey, congratulations to that. That was a good qu- I liked that tweet. And Ryan Fitzpatrick ripped his shirt off. Zero degree weather. And I saw people talking about this on Twitter, speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Talking about the greatest quarterback in the drought. So if you look at all the Bills quarterbacks that they've had throughout the drought period, the drought period (laughs) had uh, some pretty atrocious quarterbacks. It's pretty sad. It's actually really sad how bad these quarterbacks were. So the drought ended in 2017. Tyra Taylor's last year in Buffalo. Lost the Jaguars, one of the worst playoff games I've ever watched my entire life. 10-3 inept quarterback play all around. Blake Bortles versus Tyrod Taylor. Not a great game. And then the Bills have made it every year since Josh Allen's rookie year. Minus his rookie year, I guess I should say. So you've got from 2016, which saw Tyrod Taylor and EJ Manuel, all the way down to 2000. (laughs) It's a long time. Long, long time. Bills' last playoff game was in 1999. Long time (laughs) against the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, you know, the Music City Miracle. Terrible game. Terrible, terrible game. (laughs) January 8, 2020 (laughs) was the last Bills playoff game. 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000. So 2017, the drought ended. It ended up being calendar year 2018. But, you know, 2017, 2018 season. So here are your quarterbacks. During this time, but I'm rattled off the Bills drought quarterbacks before on this show. I know this by heart now, but we're going to go in order this time. We're going to go in order of the Bills drought quarterbacks. So we got Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie. My first ever football jersey, my first ever jersey in general, was a Doug Flutie jersey. Love the Doug Flutie jersey. Love Doug Flutie. Colt hero. Then we got Alex Van Pelt. 
tweaking his way in there. <laughs> Alex Van Pelt right now is the Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator. He was the Bengals offensive coordinator last year, right? Or quarterbacks coach at least. He was just quarterbacks coach last year. Two years quarterbacks coach, Packers quarterbacks coach. Big guy. Getting guy and chubby. Getting guy and chubby. You wouldn't think he's a former quarterback. Then my second jersey ever, my favorite player growing up, before LaDainian Tomlinson, Drew Bledsoe. Starting quarterback for three years. And then we have the infamous, and yes, it is very infamous in Buffalo, quarterback battle between J.P. Lossman and Kelly Holcomb. That is a, it's a pretty sad quarterback battle right there. And then later, the Bills drafted Trent Edwards to battle J.P. Lossman. And Trent Edwards got killed during his time in Buffalo. No offensive line help whatsoever. Killed the entire time. Then you got Ryan Fitzpatrick popping his head in there, and Brian Brom. <laughs> God, love Brian Brown. Brian Brown was awesome at Louisville. Awesome at Louisville. Uh, not so much in Buffalo. He played two. He started two games for the Bills during that time frame. Then EJ Manuel, first round draft pick, one of the worst quarterback draft classes of all time. One quarterback draft in the first round was EJ Manuel at sixteen. Terrible, terrible, terrible quarterback class. Then Thad Lewis, because EJ Manuel got hurt, I believe, against the Browns. And Thad Lewis came in, played really well, and then Jeff Tool who a lot of Bills fans weirdly liked quite a bit. I never really understood it, but a lot of Bills fans liked Jeff Toole. A lot of them. Kept him on the practice squad forever. It was like everybody's afraid that they're gonna someone else is going to sign Jeff Toole. I remember my dad kind of liked him a lot. Then he had the next year, his one hit wonder in Buffalo, Kyle Orton. One of my favorite memories in Buffalo of Kyle Orton was he retired, and Doug Marone, you know, moral, moral high ground expert right here, Doug Marone goes, Kyle Orton quit on the team. The Bills went 9-7 and seven in Kyle Orton's lone year as a starter. And uh, retired. And Doug Marone, like we said, said he quit. Doug Marone proceeds to quit the Bills' head coaching job same offseason with the thought process that he was going to get the New York Jets job and basically do a swap with the Jets with getting Rex Ryan for Doug Marone. Very like-for-like -like swap there. Didn't get the Jets job, and ended up going to Todd Bowles and he goes down to Jacksonville to be off the line coach slash assistant head coach or whatever the hell that means. So that was really not quitting on the team thing. No Buffalo person likes Doug Marone. You have heard me slate Doug Marone a thousand times on this show. And then one of my favorite signings of the Bills history during the drought was Tyrod Taylor. I loved watching Tyrod Taylor in Virginia Tech. Didn't really get that much of a look in in Baltimore. But I remember telling my dad when they signed Tyrod Taylor, I was like, ooh, Ooh, look out for this guy to be the starter. This guy's good. He just never got me in your behind Joe Flacco. Remember the elite Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. I was excited for Tyrod. I was very excited for Tyrod. And then you had Matt Castle, who started one game. I believe he started the first game of the season, played one play. Or the last game. He played one play. But technically he started. Like, Josh Allen has started every single game since his rookie year, apart from one. Discounting his rookie year, I'm saying. Apart from one, because he lined up at wide receiver. Devin Singletary technically started the game at quarterback. Which is weird how that works, but Devin Singletary technically was the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills for one game. And then if you count the year that it ended, I mean, you had Nathan Peterman is in there. So I tried to basically construct a, construct a list of top 10 quarterbacks during the drought. I don't think you can do that. I could barely get five. <laughs> like... This era of quarterbacks is awful. Like, I know you heard me joke on the show before about J.P. Lossman being the, <coughs> geez, 
one of the, in one of the greatest quarterback classes of all time and being the creme to the creme of the draft, I'm being sarcastic. I'm not being truthful. J.P. Lossman sucked. <laughs> I have a J.P. Lossman jersey now, more ironically than anything. I wore it the last time the Bills played the Chiefs in Kansas City, and everybody was loving it because it's J.P. Lossman. Everybody's like, oh, my God, you actually have a J.P. Lossman jersey. That is both sad and hilarious at the same time. So, like, meme purposes, I love J.P. Lossman. As a quarterback purpose, I have no real <laughs> – I would not go, yeah, start J.P. Lossman. But if I had to do – if I had to, if I absolutely had to, okay, this is – I can't stress on the absolutely have to part. Okay, so let's let's get that straight. So, number 10 – God, this is – this is awful. I actually have to do... I, I, do I go to five? Do I just cut the crap and go to ten, five? I don't think I... I'm not going... I can't. I can't actually go to ten. I don't think I can. Like, let's, let's go in one... One down. I was going to try and go ten up, but let's go one down. Number one, for me, if we're talking about the memories that I had watching them, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Me- memories mixed with fun play. I had more fun watching the Buffalo Bills with Brian Fitzpatrick than I did any other time, and the Bills were not a good team at that time. But they beat the Patriots with Tom Brady, so that was really fun. I loved watching this Bills team, even though they didn't end up being that good. I would probably say he was the best. Probably. But number two, I mean, it's close seconds, Tyra Taylor. Tyra Taylor ended the drought. And Tyra Taylor, like we said, puts up decent numbers. Nothing that's going to go, yeah, I want to build my franchise around him. But like his first year in Buffalo... Awesome. I mean, 3,000 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, 6 picks. And it gradually went down from there. Gradually. Then he had 3,000 yards, less yards, little less yards, with 3 less touchdowns, same amount of picks. Final year in Buffalo, 2,700 yards, 14 touchdowns, 4 picks. So it just gradually kept going down. Rushing yards were fine. Rushing yards good. But nothing that... Yeah, I'd probably put him at number one, right? I mean, he ended the drought. I mean, it's kind of hard not to. But I, Tyrod Taylor, I will, I will die on this hill. Tyrod Taylor throws one of the prettiest balls in the NFL. Okay, that's not saying it's always going to be the most accurate deep ball ever, but it's it's really good to watch. I don't think I've ever not seen him throw a spiral. Every time Tyrod Taylor throws the ball, it's a perfect spiral. So he's definitely number one or two. It's not really close between those two. I would say number three is Drew Bledsoe. If you're talking statistics, Drew Bledsoe is probably the best one on here. I think he had the most touchdowns during this time frame. He had a season where I was very, very good, had 4,300 yards in one season, threw for 24 touchdowns in a year. And if you're talking about just hype surrounding the signing of Drew Bledsoe, he's the best. Because comparatively to the other quarterbacks during the drought period, no one compares to the hype that Drew Bledsoe got. Drew Bledsoe was the savior of the franchise, or what it seemed like. And the Bills had some good years with Drew Bledsoe as a starting quarterback. Nothing that was, like, amazing, but they went, like, they went 8-8, eight and 6-10, eight, and, and they went 9-7, and seven, and then 5-11. and 11. But they were having some pretty rough coaches during that time frame. I mean, Greg Williams and Mike Malarkey are not the greatest coaches of all time. You don't really want to be trotting out with those guys. Like... Bills fans don't have a lot of good things to say about Greg Williams. I know a lot of people out there generally don't have a lot of good things to say about Greg Williams. But imagine him being your head coach. Awful. Awful stuff right there. Terrible. But Drew Bledsoe is number three. Then we move on to number four, probably Kyle Orton. He was only there for one year. 
finished nine and seven and played under Doug Marone. Like, not anything really that impressive, but played well. I mean, 18 touchdowns, 10 picks. Not the most exciting team of all time. But uh, he plays, again, we're we're working here. We're, we, there's not a lot of quarterbacks here that we're going to go like, yeah, this dude is awesome. Like, I can include Doug Flutie in there because technically he was a, a quarterback during the drought period. He was the first quarterback of the drought period. I'd put him above, above I guess, during the drought. I don't know because we're just including drought period. Doug Flutie only played for the Bills in 2000 in the drought. He had eight touchdowns, three picks. Was hurt most of the year. So I don't really know if I can put Flutie on this list because he didn't really do a lot. If you're talking about the years prior, he kept the Bills in Buffalo. Like, if the Bills weren't making the playoffs, the Bills were going to move to L.A. or something. Like, they weren't going to be in Buffalo very long. Doug Flutie saved the franchise. And you've got Flutie Flakes in there as well. A lot of people doubted him as well. Not a lot of short quarterbacks at that time frame. Doug Flutie did everything different from the status quo of college quarterbacks or NFL quarterbacks, I should say, and played really well in Buffalo. And CFL legend, probably the greatest quarterback apart from, like, Warren Moon to play in the CFL. Awesome in the CFL, but I I don't know if I can really put him in there because of the fact he was only on the Bills for one year during the drought period and didn't do a lot. He played five games. So I don't really know if I could say him on, put him on there, but this fifth spot, good freaking Lord. (laughs) This fifth spot is a rough one it is very rough like i we're really we're really grasping for straws here like you're actually having a legit conversation about ej manuel being the fifth best quarterback during the drought period and ej really only had one year as a starter and my dad will die on this hill this is a hill that my dad has lived on for the past however many years since ej's been the starter in buffalo of if ej manuel had a better coach he'd be a good quarterback and I could kind of see it, but EJ wasn't anything that spectacular, if I remember correctly, at Florida State. I don't remember him doing anything that amazing at Florida State. He was a good quarterback. And he got drafted in the first round because of how terrible the quarterback class was. And I remember I was at a, we were at a Barnstormers game when EJ Manuel got drafted because we used to have season tickets to the Barnstormers. And we were at there when he got drafted. And then he got hurt against the Browns, and we saw Thad Lewis come in. And honestly, you can throw Thad Lewis in this top 10. <laughs> Thad Lewis, for a stretch, was very fun to watch. <laughs> I loved watching Thad Lewis play for a little bit. Started five games. <laughs> it was awesome. Loved Thad Lewis. I picked him up in fantasy one week. The dude was, there was a stretch where Thad, I gotta look up his, like, his, his career games. Game log, is he gonna have an ESPN page? I doubt it, but... Come on, give me an ESPN thing for Thad Lewis. I want to go to his individual game. I want to do a game log thing. Hold on, there we go. Hopefully it had no information available. <laughs> okay, game log for the Bills. Like, this dude was awesome for a short period. Like, his first game, 216 yards, two touchdowns, one rushing touchdown there as well. Awesome first game. Lost in overtime to the Bengals. They won against the Dolphins. Played well, had better statistics, didn't have a touchdown in the game. Saints played decent. Patriots, I mean, yeah, it's the Patriots. I mean, what do you expect? But I liked watching Thad Lewis. There was a two, that two-game stretch was actually really enjoyable to watch. Really enjoyable to watch. So you could honestly throw him up there. Trent Edwards, I think, kind of falls in the same boat as EJ. I think Trent Edwards, though, was better than EJ. I think Trent Edwards had the worst off the line at any quarterback during this time period. I think Trent Edwards was set up to die in Buffalo, 
And I think he could have been really good. I, well, not really good. I think he could have been good. Like you had the building blast, so you drafted him and Marshawn Lynch the same year. His rookie year was pretty decent. It wasn't anything to, like miserable or anything comparatively to what the other quarterbacks were doing at this time frame. But, man, I... <laughs> JP is also going to be mentioned up there. <laughs> Just the, the Rob Johnson, stay the hell away from this list. He's probably my <laughs> one of my least favorite quarterbacks on here. But, man, number five. I'm really trying here. Like, the, all of them had their decent moments, I guess. Like, J.P. Lossmo is so bad. ES, Wikipedia is... Oh, he... <laughs> God, okay, I haven't checked Wikipedia in a while for his numbers. I guess you'd probably throw J.P. Lossman on there. Am I really throwing J.P. Lossman at number five? Is that how bad everything was? Is that how terrible everything was? I mean, he's the only quarterback apart <laughs> post-Drew Bledsoe and Ryan Fitzpatrick that started 16 games in the season. <laughs> The only quarterbacks during the drought period that started 16 games in the season are Drew Bledsoe, J.P. Lossman, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> that is depressing. I think I, I think I have to throw J.P. in there. I think I have to. Trent Edwards has a good shout. E.J. could be mentioned. Thad Lewis, again, realistically could be mentioned because there was a stretch where he was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, top four is locked. <laughs> Fitzpatrick, Tyrod, Bledsoe, Orton, and then five is a toss-up between everybody else. We'll call it... Number five's the field. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Like, <laughs> if Brian Brom was given a chance, do I think he'd be much worse than what J.P. Lossman and Trent Edwards were? No. That's how sad we're talking here. And Brian Brom was nothing special in the NFL. Again, good college player. I really liked watching him at Louisville. Like, he put up some insane numbers at Louisville. One year, oh, that's in high school. But <laughs> but one year, he balled out. Like, Louisville went 10-1 and one, one year as him as a starter. He was fun to watch. He was a Heisman Trophy candidate in 06. Like, dude was fun in college. But Jeff Tool's the weird one for me. I never understood. The Jeff, everybody, every Bills fan loved Jeff Tool. Kelly Holcomb, I don't know if I could realistically put him anywhere near this list. <laughs> that was a depressing time. Kelly Holcomb versus J.P. Lossman. Draft a quarterback from Tulane. That's always fun. Oh, man. That's depressing. Really, we're really talking about J.B. Lawson being the fifth-best quarterback during the drought. Uh, oh, God. I love J.B. Lawson. I love J.B. Lawson, so I won't say anything. But all in all, I am thankful, and every Bills fan out there is thankful for Josh Allen. Everybody's thankful for Josh Allen. I, uh, there's no Bills fan that will say really anything that bad about Josh Allen. If they do, I question their fandom. <laughs> no, I'm not saying Josh Allen's perfect. We've, we've critiqued. Josh Allen on the show plenty of times before. Jeez, now I got the hiccups. But I've been laughing at this stupid quarterback thing. But I've critiqued Josh. Like the Jaguars game. Awful. Probably one of the worst games of his career. Falcons game. Not good either. Not good at all. So, so he's not escaping criticism at all. But this dude's special. I didn't think I did. Well, I, I probably should have seen this coming. That I dedicate a crap ton of time to the Bills shit stomping the Patriots 47-17. First time I said the score. First time I said the score. Other games this weekend, though, we had the Bengals and Raiders. Uh, yeah. Uh, Derek Carr fumbled again. I guess I never really saw the stat of Derek Carr's fumbling history. Derek Carr, since 2014, has fumbled 75 times. 75! He's lost 36 of them. What is that number? 
75 fumbles? Like, generally, I don't have a big issue with Derek Carr. I make fun of Kevin all the time for Derek Carr. I really have no issue with him. But the dude's not elite. Apart from leaders, leadership, Derek Carr's not elite. Any, whatever, he, whatever metric you want to use. Like, just because the, the Raiders are in the playoffs because of Derek Carr, which I think is true. He's not elite. <laughs> like, he's barely on the same level as Ryan Tannehill. Would you call Ryan Tannehill elite? And Ryan Tannehill, during parts of the season, had nothing to work, work with. <clears throat> Jeez. Backup running backs, backup receivers. No real tight ends, backup offensive line, no secondary. Everything Derek Carr has dealt with this year, Ryan Tannehill has. And no one's talking about Ryan Tannehill getting the Titans to a one seed. And they played... Jeez, they played some good teams during that time frame, too. Like, I have no real issue with Derek Carr. I have an issue with people calling him elite. I have an issue with people calling him things that he's not. Good good quarterback. Good quarterback Derek Carr. Nothing wrong with him. Apart from when people like Keyshawn Johnson call him elite. And call him a top five quarterback in the NFL. He might, just based off this season, be a top ten quarterback. And that's putting that number 10. That's like we're trying to put him in the in the list. But if I look at the quarterbacks in the NFL, like if I just go to tiermaker.com, let's just do do something real quick. Quarterbacks. Jeez, why am I hiccuping? I don't think I laughed that hard. So we've got... Hold on, where's the... I'm trying to find a tier list that would be good for this. Okay, this one's got numbers in it. We can just do this right now. I didn't think we were going to do this, but let's do it. So we got one through five. I might reorder at the end. But the top five quarterbacks to me are, we've already talked about three of them. Uh, Rodgers, Mahomes, and Josh Allen are numbers one, two, three. Good Lord, why am I hiccuping? Why am I hiccuping? I haven't really laughed that much this show. Where's Josh Allen on here? I'm on tiermaker.com, so if you want to do this yourself, go ahead. Josh Allen up there as well. You have to throw Tom Brady up there. As much... As I don't want to, I've got to throw Tom Brady up at number five or at number four. Then we have conversations here. If we're strictly going off this year, which I even think these are the top four quarterbacks given off this year, you'd have to go Burrow or Herbert. And I'm going to go with Justin Herbert being up there. So that means I'm going to throw Burrow on the next tier. Kyler Murray is going to be up there as well. And this is just my general opinion. I'm not going to, I should, because I think Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson will be up there as well. Like, on their given days, Russell Wilson's a top 10 quarterback. I'm going to throw him at number, in the 6-10 to 10 area. And then with Lamar Jackson, even though he's had a rough year, he's been hurt a lot of the year, Lamar Jackson does things that no one else in this league can. Lamar Jackson's an elite quarterback. I'm not taking any Lamar Jackson slander on here. And then number 10, this is where you start having, oh, we might be able to throw him in here. We might be, be able to. Like, look at the other quarterbacks on here. Who else do we even got? If I have to put a guy at number 10, and I do. It's either Carr or Stafford, really. Huh. Who would I want to throw at number five? I mean, Deshaun. I would well, know. If... If Deshaun's playing, Deshaun Watson's a top 10 quarterback. So, like, before the season started, okay, Derek Carr was listed as a top five quarterback by Keyshawn Johnson. If we're just going off of what they can do on their day, 
Derek Carr ain't touching the top 10. The top 10 quarterbacks, to me, in no order, on their day, are Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Herbert, Burrow, Kyler, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Those are the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. On their day, that's the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. And then we're going 11 11 through 15, Derek Carr's on that one. Matt Stafford's on that one. Then you throw, like, Dak on that one. Then you've got... Who else would be on that level? You could argue Kirk Cousins, Tannehill. Probably probably Tannehill. Yeah, Tannehill. Who else would be on that 15 range? Kirk Cousins? I think you can make an argument for Kirk Cousins being on there. We'll, we'll, we'll adjust this if needed, but that's what we got right now. Then the next tier, let's throw, like, Matt Ryan has to be on there. Jeez. I don't know why I'm hiccuping today. This is ridiculous at this point. We can throw some people in the backup category as well. So we got like Blake Bortles, Taysom Hill. He's in that one as well. <laughs> Cam Newton. Uh, Trey Lance, just based off this year, is a backup. Ryan Fitzpatrick, sorry. Jordan Love. Uh, Sammy Darnold. Uh, who else? Drew Locke. Uh, Andy Dalton. Gar- Gardner Minshew. So there's those quarterbacks. But in that 16 to 25 range, so we got 16. I don't know. I want to just do top 15. <laughs> I think top 15 is now. I didn't really plan on doing this. So this was not really the ultimate goal here was to rank every single quarterback in the NFL. If I did, I would have had this done already and I would have talked about it. But though top 15, in no real order, apart, like, they're set in this range. So one through five. Roger Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Herbert. 6 through 10, Burrow, Kyler, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. 11 through 15, Carr, Stafford, Dak, Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. I think that's your top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. Really. And you're even looking at, like, T- Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins possibly getting traded this offseason. There's actually conversations about that happening. Like, 16 through 25. I don't like doing this these ones because there's a lot of bad quarterbacks on here. I don't know. We're not going to touch the rest of it. We're just going to leave the six, the 17 or t- 1 through 15. So that's what we got for 1 through 15. But Derek Carr threw a late game, late jeez, late game interception, late ceiling game ceiling interception and lost. Gave the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals their first win in 31 years. Now the Raiders haven't won a playoff game since 2002. Derek Carr's first ever playoff appearance cuz he was hurt last time they were in the playoffs cuz remember we talked about that on Friday, because Derek Carr got hurt, and then Matt McGloin got hurt, so we were treated between a playoff matchup between Brock Osweiler of the Texans and Connor Cook, two of my least favorite quarterbacks in NFL history. Terrible quarterbacks, but fun game, fun game, the better team won, and I still think that the Bengals, like I said last week, should beat the Titans, or could beat the Titans. I think that's a very real real, real possibility, because the Bengals' run defense is very underrated, and the Titans secondary is very banged up. Apart from Kevin Byard, who else do they really have back there? And why am I why am I hiccuping so much? This is ridiculous. Do I just have really bad heartburn or something? Which could be the case. I do have really bad heartburn. And then we move on to Sunday. Bucks, Eagles, predictable. Eagles get smashed by the Bucks, 31-15. I did well, I, I shouldn't say predictable in the fact the Eagles got smashed. I did think the Eagles would be some somewhat competitive, especially with all the injuries the Bucks had. It uh, turns out, no, uh, the Bucks really had no issues with the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. Pretty much brushed them aside. 
Then Cowboys Niners. This was another thing. So we I didn't really touch on this for the Bengals Steelers Raiders game. Phantom Phantom whistle against the the Raiders Bengals game. But I would say even in that case, with that touchdown pass to T, I think it was to T Higgins. It was T Higgins or Tyler Boyd, where the ref stupidly blew the whistle. I think that benefited the Raiders because I don't. I think the Bengals are scoring on that drive anyways. The Raiders scored right at the end of the half. After the after that. I think the Bengals continue that drive and waste more time and still score a touchdown. So I really didn't think it mattered. In the end, I think it helped the Raiders. And the one that's getting bashed on social media is the Cowboys-Niners one. And that's just angry Cowboys fans. So obviously the thing we're talking about is the ref got in the way of the snap when the Cowboys were trying to snap the ball to end the game. Well, two things that were stupid on the Cowboys' part. One, a quarterback sneak with no timeouts. Don't know where that play call came from. And then part two, Dak shouldn't hand the ball to center. You've got to hand the ball to the ref every time. Oh, there wasn't a center in the frame. The center's right, the, the ref's right behind Dak. Dak just needs to give him the ball. Because the center set the ball. You can't set the ball. The ref has to set the ball every single time. Every time. So when I first saw it, I was like, oh, they got to give him more time. Nope. And I thought about it. I was like, what the? Why didn't he just give him the ball? And then the press conference, Dak was like, fair play to the fans for throwing trash at the refs. Screw you. I know he apologized today. He got told by his PR team to apologize. Dak didn't mean it. Screw th- screw that. <laughs> Very anti-out-of-character for Dak. But come on. you got to know the rules of football. This is not something that's changed throughout the history of football. How many times have you seen pl- players just allowed to set the ball wherever they want? It's always been the ref set it. Turn around, hand the ball to the ref. Why did you slide so late? Why did you run a... Co- quarterback sneak in the first place and one thing I saw on Twitter I think it was Mitchell Schwartz that said it former Chiefs tackle said basically true that I've never really thought about before so I love Kellen Moore Kellen Moore in college is my favorite college quarterback of all time apart from any Iowa players excluding excluding Iowa guys Kellen Moore is my favorite college quarterback of all time that being said even though I like him being a head coaching candidate I think he deserves a chance as a head coach one thing Mitchell Schwartz said was you can't praise the Cowboys' offense and Kellen Moore and at the same time bash the offense for when Mike McCarthy... It can't be a good play is Kellen Moore, a bad play is Mike McCarthy. That doesn't work. You have to bash both of them and praise both of them. Why is the bad play McCarthy and the good play Kellen Moore? I just thought that was interesting because I never really thought about it like that. Kellen Moore is a top head coaching candidate, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. So the praise is going to be directed towards Kellen Moore and the hate is going to be generated more towards Mike McCarthy. Which is wrong, but that's that's just the case. That's the reality in which we live in. And maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right. It's wrong, but, you know, it's it's natural. And then the final game on Sunday, we had Chiefs-Steelers. I mean, nothing to talk about. Chiefs annihilated the Steelers 42-21. I know it's crazy. Like, and on Monday night, the Rams kicked the shit out of the Cardinals. So... In the three games post the Bills game, that were blowouts. You had the Bucks blowing out the Eagles. You had the Chiefs blowing out the Steelers. And you had the Rams blowing out the Cardinals. You know, you know what all three of those winning teams did? Punted. They punted during the game. Bills didn't punt once. You know what also happened? The Rams kicked a field goal. The Bucks kicked a field goal. Bills didn't. <laughs> Which shows how dominant that game was against the Patriots. And it's against the Patriots. Against the greatest head coach of all time. That is insane. That is so insane to me. How dominant the Bills were in that game. 
and then this just proves everything again. Tom Brady. I'm not going to sit here and say Bill Belichick deserves no credit at all for the Patriots dynasty. The main cause goes to Tom Brady. You can't replace Tom Brady. They've tried the past two years. Got to the playoffs. I guarantee Tom Brady getting smoked 47-17 to the Bills. It's not happening. He got beat pretty bad in his first year. Or second year. First, first year is the full-time starter. Drew Bledsoe's in Buffalo. Bills beat the crap out of the Patriots. Tom Brady doesn't get beat 47-17 to the Bills like this. Like, embarrassed by the Bills. Patriots defense didn't show up. Bill Belichick's a defensive guru. One of the He's the greatest defensive coordinator of all time. And they got blown out like that. And we're already at crisis mode for the Patriots about how they're moving from back Jones. This is Bill Belichick leaving. And I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And I had a friend come over. T-Boy came over. He's been on this show before. And the Bills-Patriots curse with T-Boy's now ended. That's the first time he's been over at my house where my team has beaten his team. In any sport. Not just, not just Bills-Patriots. Any sport. Every time he's been over to my house to watch a game, his team's won. It's over. My dad said he'd beat me if the Patriots won again. Because, though I didn't invite T-Boy, T-Boy said, uh, I'm coming over. <laughs> didn't really give me the opportunity to invite him over. But he just said, I'm coming over and came. But it was in fun. It was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed the game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But he did text me the other day, yesterday, and said, hey, can you make sure and talk to Josh Allen to make sure he has the same swagger that he had in the last game? I said, yeah. I talked to Josh. Josh says he's good to go. Hopefully. Knock on wood. So, yeah, I'm really excited. If I had to do predictions for the wild card, the divisional round, I mean, it's the same same outcomes. I think the Bengals beat the Titans. I think the Packers beat the Niners. Bills beat Chiefs. And Bucks beat Rams. Different teams. I the pack or the Bucks be playing the Cowboys and the Packers play the Rams. But you know what? Works either way. <laughs> I think the Packers are winning. And I think the Bucks are winning. I think the Bills are winning. And I think the Bengals are winning. If I had to like ones I'm struggling with, the Bengals Titans was easily the one that I'm working hardest to think about the most. Like Titans are three and a half point favorite. Packers are six point favorite. Bills two and a, two uh, no Chiefs two point favorite. The Bucks three point favorite. The Bengals are the first game there at 3.30 on CBS on Saturday. Packers and 49ers are at 7.15 on Fox on Saturday. And then Sunday we got Rams-Bucks at 2 on NBC and Bills-Chiefs on CBS at 5.30. Oh, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to go. It's going to be a fantastic, fantastic day. And we've got some interesting developments in regards to the GM and head coaching searches. Uh, The Bills' assistant GM is looking at jobs right now. Joe Schoen is getting a second interview for the Giants. Many consider him to be the favorite for the GM spot for the Giants. Now, something that's important to think about for this, Brian Dable is currently a head coaching candidate, hot head coaching candidate. I said going to the Dolphins because of the relationship he has with two and the fact he's coached with the Dolphins before. God, this is stupid. I've had the hiccups for like 10 minutes now. But they're saying with the GM, if he goes... Brian Dable might follow. Interesting thing to follow. Now, one thing I did find interesting, the Texas interviewed Heinz Ward to be their head coach. We'll see if that one actually goes in there. Just like the Browns hi- interviewing Condoleezza Rice to be the their next head coach. But with that, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you didn't find my hiccups annoying towards the end of the show. But all good. Hopefully it's fun. We'll talk about the playoffs a little bit more in-depthly on Friday. Maybe we'll have a full tier list for you. I don't know. We'll have the time will tell on that. But that's all we've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, 
I thoroughly apologize, but make sure you're following me on all forms of social media. And to Jill's to it right now make sure you're following and or subscribe to the apple podcast and or spotify accounts leave a rating on a five stars on apple podcast and leave a description down below i've been the logan blackman from the logan blackman show and i will see you all later peace